Hello and welcome to the 250, your fortnightly and apparently occasionally hourly podcast looking at the movies in the Chucky and Child's Play franchise. Unprecedented. Uh, unprecedented. We have never done anything like this before. Lightning uh, struck twice. Yeah, I know. Pe- like, the, just people were very enthusiastic. I thought they were very excited about our Child's Play episode. Turns out that what they're really waiting for was the Child's Play 2 episode. And it seems like they really, really want, and what we're, we're going to give them, we're going to pack up and go home after this, because I think three it's straight podcasts... It's a logical podcasts, conclusion of yeah, this. Of the Child's Play trilogy. Three that's it. is it's, the magic number. That's it. You just want to close out. There are no more Child's Play numbers. No more Child's Play movies. Like, this is the end. We are covering... We there's have no covered every... There's no thing as Child's Play 4. Yeah, there's no, there's no Child's Play 4. There, there, there's other there's other there's all those chucky movies no but there's no child's play for i'm there saying is, is no we're, we're done for. now we this is it we're wrapped up this is the last one we're doing today and we dragged the wonderful charlene Lydon back to join us how are you charlene hello dragged back out again i can't believe this <laughs> just when you thought well, you, you were out <laughs> we pulled you back in well at least uh, we know of- this is definitely the final one so yeah, I I mean yeah, it would be almost like comical if we were to keep doing it. Oh, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> it would be absurd. They're not even called Child's Play after this. Yeah, I mean it's it's technically it's a different movie series, um, but we are of course talking about 1991 uh, Jack Bender's Child's Play three, rounding out the Child's Play trilogy, the first set of movies in the Chucky franchise, and. Let's just lay the cards on the table here. When this idea came about, when this idea was incepted by Charlene into Andrew's head, (laughs) during the course of that discussion over the course of Some Like It Hot, I believe Charlene explicitly cited that this is, quote unquote, the bad one of the set. Um, So before we jump in, I want to ask Andrew, as somebody who's like still new to the Chucky franchise, still acclimatizing themselves to Child's Play, what was your initial response to, to kind of Child's Play 3. What's the temperature check here? How are you feeling? It it feels more like the kind of diminishing returns uh, sequel than the sort of serviceable, acceptable Child's Play 2. Not going to annoy anyone too badly. Child's Play 2, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It- it's, an inter- it's an interesting movie. I, I, I guess, like, um, would it, it, it it probably doesn't spoil anything uh, too much because it's part of the setup of the movie uh, to say that it's in the future. Yes, it is. It is it's one of those movies that is set in a parallel future. It's like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It's set like five years in the future from when it was released. And nobody really talks about that that much. Yeah. Um, but yes, it is. It is a futuristic movie, which I guess to get this out of the way kind of makes it a bit like Robocop, uh, the greatest <laughs> American movie ever made. That's... That's our obligatory RoboCop reference. I'm sure we will have superfluous there, RoboCop. Re- there oh. is, yeah, yeah. There yeah, is. There, a there are super, quite yeah, a few yeah. uh, uh, superfluous, uh, superfluous uh, RoboCop movies. Darren is very tired. Recording two straight episodes <laughs> on Child's Play will do that. But Charlene, as our expert in Chucky, and we should note for, for listeners at home who obviously don't have access to the video feed, you are joined by a very special guest. You, you we, we can see him in the frame. You teased him. You set it up. And again, this is one of those great, this is the last podcast we're doing on the subject. So we we did our setup in Act 1. We had a Chucky conceptually on the mantelpiece in our Child's Play episode. And now he has joined the Zoom chat in our Child's Play 3, our, our third act. Yeah. Um, but yes, what do you make of Child's Play 3? Well, yeah, like... Child's Play 3 has always been my least favourite of all of them. 
I just think it's like the one that's like just obviously quite weak. And there's not like, there's not like nothing good about it or anything. It's got some good stuff, but I just think compared to any of the other ones, it just feels like the one that's not trying that hard, in my opinion. I mean, we should. I'm, can I say I'm concerned because the, the I, I know it's an audio medium, but the box is behind you. <laughs> oh, I can see him, so it's fine. I mean, if he starts it's, moving. It's not like he, that you have your. You'll get a slap. Arm around it. <laughs> Oh okay. yeah, yeah. No, you, yeah, you, you, you will see it in the Zoom screen. It yeah. does feel like this is a yeah. setup from a Chucky movie. Other, other, other video platforms are available. <laughs> <laughs> um, We're not sponsored by Zoom. No, we are not sponsored. <laughs> no, we've had we, yes, we this we you know we did the Child's Play two. We took it all format. We think we, we used did. Skype we for did. that we one. Used Skype, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it is worth very briefly just kind of, there's not much going on uh, with the production of Child's Play 3. So it's worth just running down very, very quickly. Uh, the most obvious thing about it is that it is transparently a rush job. Um, it, it was released nine, nine months. months. Yeah. What? Nine months. Yeah, I know. That's exactly how long it takes <laughs> to gestate a Chucky movie, it turns out, is exactly nine months. But yes, it was released nine <laughs> months after Child's Play 2, um, which is frankly insane by this stage universal are just like crank it out crank it out crank it out uh, it's in a situation where it was green lit before child's play 2 was released and we mentioned when we were talking about child's play 2 universal were very very bullish on the idea that chucky was one of their guys like andrew they're like we don't really know chucky yet we haven't seen him in action but we think he's our guy we think he's like the future of the medium um so they went all in on him uh, they had him like host the, the the he did a presentation on foreign horror for the horror hall of fame awards uh, in character with Brad uh, Dorf. How did he Pum- get a ticket to that? <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow. Uh, um, the prestigious that thing that you just said. Yeah, which yeah. once in a lifetime opportunity, <laughs> yeah. which which only existed, I think, between like 1990 and 1998. Um, they very quickly discovered that there it's was like, a limited market like, for it. That's sci-fi kind of award ceremony that William Shatner sings Rocket Man at. The Hugos. Well, oh, the, that, that was the Hugos, yeah, was it? Yes, or the World <laughs> Science Fiction Awards, something like that. But yes, it was an, those are actual awards. And <laughs> yeah, okay. I say as I, I take a dump on the, the Horror Hall of Fame from a height, apparently, looking down my nose as a sci-fi fan of it. Um, but I, I do think like, so obviously like Universal are very bullish. They're like, yeah, Chucky is the future. He's the new Universal monster. We want to be in the Chucky business. Uh, we've, we're looking for Chucky vision. Chucky vision, Chucky vision. So <laughs> they commission a sequel to Child's Play 2 before Child's Play 2 has been released. So they, Don Mancini is set to write it. Mancini has said... Sing he, the whole thing. <laughs> if, you're, no. if you're gonna do it, commit to the bit. Sorry. But Mancini basically has said he had no ideas. He was literally running on empty when Universal were like, we need a third Chucky movie. And it's like, I gave you two Chucky movies in the space of two years. I don't know that the well is as deep as you think it is. And they're like, just just do it. Um, so he he's talked about that being an element. But the bigger problem that happens is during development of Child's Play 3, Child's Play 2 is released. As we mentioned last week, Child's Play 2 was not the box office performer that Universal intended it to be. It was crushed by both like Home Alone and Dances with Wolves at the box office. It was obliterated, which seems to, and I think you can kind of sense this watching the movie, seems to have led to a situation where the script for Child's Play 3 was written with an expectation that it would have a certain budget. And then the movie kind of happens (laughs) 
And it does not have the budget that this movie was written with the expectation that it would have. Yeah. Um, and obviously they go from director John Lafia, who, you know, he's a he's a horror writer. He had directed a horror film beforehand. He had worked in cinema. He was a veteran film person. And they hand the directorial reins to Jack Bender, um, who is primarily known for his work in television. Now, to his credit... Lost, didn't I? Yes, yeah. very good. I, that's nice. No, no, I, I, I heard that around the, the uh, talk of this. I didn't skip ahead, but um, no, I think they mentioned it on Gurley and Ross. Okay, cool. But yeah, so they turn to a TV director who's who's kind of primarily known for his work in TV. Um, and yeah, there there is kind of a sense of kind of, yeah, as you said, diminished returns to this. Um, Charlene, do you remember the first time you saw Child's Play 3? Yes, uh, I do remember the first time I saw Child's Play 3. I can't remember where I was. I feel like I was in like my cousin's house or a neighbor's house or something. And obviously I was very excited because I really liked the first two. And even then, as a child, <laughs> I thought it was shit. I remember just being kind of disappointed with it. And the only thing I remembered from it or thought was good was, uh, I don't want to get one, one of the kills. I will discuss it later. But okay. um, All right. but yeah, like apart from having that one memorable kill, I was just remember thinking, oh, this just isn't that good. And never really watched it again, even though I watched the first two dozens of times at that point. And like, in fairness, like watching it now, I just feel like it's probably a bit better than I gave it credit for when I was uh, eight. But um, but yeah, I just didn't, yeah, didn't really like it when I was a small child. That's probably fair. Like, it, the, I think it kind of goes into some of those conversations of like um, awfully bad movies. But it's it, it's not, I don't think it's that terrible or anything. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, not not to jump too far ahead. In the Especially question. considering kind of how quick it was done. Yes. Yeah. And cons- I would argue considering it's competition. Yeah, not terrible. Like I, th- I think Jimonda kind of mentioned it last week where she said like the Chucky franchise has a kind of a floor in terms of quality. It has a very high floor um, yeah. in terms of quality. So like if this is the worst one, you know, I yeah. did during lockdown, I did like a whole binge of the horror franchises and lightning round. But this is better than like... Halloween 4, Halloween 5, Halloween 6, Texas Chainsaw 4, Texas Chainsaw 4A, Texas Chainsaw 4B, <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Prequel, Texas Chainsaw Jason Reboot. Um, yeah. Jason in New York. Yeah. I love Jason, Jason X. Well, Take Jason, it back. Jason. That has <laughs> David Cronenberg in it. Thank you very much. That's Jason it in does. space, isn't it? <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Yes, that is Jason in space. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. I've seen... Jason in New York, which 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 was which is there. false advertising. Jason yeah. takes Manhattan is false he, advertising. He doesn't really spend much time in Manhattan. At the point that he, he gets to Manhattan, I had already given up on it. <laughs> that's a shame because that's the best part of the movie. Like they <laughs> they they knew to front load the best part of that. Put them on a really slow boat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's like we want the title. Like the good stuff is in Manhattan, so we want the audience to build anticipation. Um, till we get to the point where we can like spend. Was it like three days? I think they had three days. They budgeted like three days shooting in (laughs) New York for that movie. Um, But like it's it's better than I would argue even say, you know, my beloved um, Nightmare on Elm Street movies like say Nightmare on Elm Street 5 or Freddy's Dead The Final Nightmare or even like say the the reboot. That was competing with this, wasn't it? Freddy's Dead. The, Freddy's the Dead was nightmare. this. Yes, yes, it was. And I, won, I I, think I know how you know that, Andrew. But yes. So, so as I was saying before I got there, I do think that like, yeah, this is this is the worst movie in the Chucky franchise. I don't think it's a good movie. I agree with Charlene that there are some very interesting elements in it. And I do agree that it it suffers from a 
like being watched in sequence. I think that when you come from watching Child's Play and Child's Play 2, there is an appreciable drop in quality when you get to this one. And I think it also suffers, as Andrew said, from the fact that it was rushed out immediately and the fact that it's like ambitions, its legs were cut out from under it, like Chucky at the climax of Child's Play 2. Um, I do think it suffers from that reality as well. Because there were some, even though it was rushed, there were some good ideas that didn't kind of like... Make it in. Well, I mean, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about yeah. it when we get to the, the spoiler zone. But yeah, like, again, Mancini is, because Mancini is basically the auteur of this, because he's written all of the scripts, basically. And this, I believe, is the first movie on which he has a solo screenplay credit. And I think you can make an argument that this is a movie that kind of really codifies a bunch of stuff that this movie doesn't do well, but Mancini kind of circles for the, ne- <laughs> for the rest of the franchise mm. with perhaps a greater degree of success. We should also note that, like, Mancini... Uh, argues that this is his least favourite uh, movie in the franchise. And Brad Dourif also says yeah. it's his le- It's just consensus, isn't it? <laughs> yep. Yeah, like like Child's Play 2 is the consensus best movie in the franchise. Uh, this is the consensus worst movie in the franchise. And I think it's kind of interesting that this has like the opposite effect. We talked about last week where like Child's Play 2 is the movie that sets the template for all the Chuckies that follow in terms of like they use the, the cop, the doll design in all future Chucky movies comes from Child's Play 2. The Chucky theme from all future Chucky movies comes from Child's Play 2. Stuff like, for example, even the poster for Child's Play 2, which is the one where Chucky's holding the scissors around the Jack and Box, is an image that repeats and recurs across the franchise as well. And I think that, like, Child's Play 3 is, in some very literal ways, like, the forgotten sequel, in that it is the sequel that doesn't really get that many nostalgic callbacks. So, you know, for example, they don't bring back Justin Whalen. To reprise the role of uh, Andy no. uh, Barkley. They bring back Alex Vincent. Um, none of the supporting cast from this, as far as I'm aware, recur in like any of the later movies or any of the later TV shows. So they, for example, don't bring back Perry Reeves, despite the fact that she's a still working actor. She very famously appeared on Entourage, I think, as uh, our, is it Avi Gold's wife? Could be. I know she was in Entourage. I saw that on her credits. So. Yeah. But it, it also weirdly feels like this is the movie that they keep. I only know her from the X-Files. Yes, she was. She was Mulder's <laughs> rebound on the X-Files when Scully yeah. got abducted. Yeah. Vampire rebound. <laughs> That's it. Like <laughs> Vampire rebound. What a strange episode that was. <laughs> yeah, um, it was. But um, yeah, so they have they have kind of. It's a movie that is forgotten in a kind of a technical sense. There's very few callbacks to it, very few references to it. But it also feels weirdly like the movie that they keep trying to do right. Like, it feels like you can go and you can say that later movies like, say, Cult of Chucky is kind of an attempt to do this right. It's another story about characters trapped in an institution, bullied by people who should be taking care of them, and forced to, like, deal with Chucky on their own terms. The second season mm. of the Child's Play TV show, which is, like, set in a Catholic school, yeah. feels very much like it's kind of riffing on this, to the point where, like, there, there's this military academy is explicitly Catholic. You have, like, the head, you know, the, the head official quoting Corinthians um, at various points as well. So I think that, like, it's interesting that People forget Charles. As 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 in like the don't, don't Protestants quote Corinthians too. Or... Fair point, Christian. Apologies, I should say. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I beg your pardon. <laughs> We've been doing two straight episodes. So I'm very tired, <laughs> but I I do I do think that there is a, a straight line that you can draw, kind of between, like 
a paradox here where this is the movie that is forgotten and overlooked and nobody likes and nobody cares about. And it's not the one that gets callbacks, references. Uh, the cast are kind of like forgotten. They don't return for later installments. But it's also like you watch it and you're like, this this feels like a very rough draft for things that the franchise will attempt to do again more directly and more kind of hands-on. I think there's something interesting in that. But Charlene, as somebody who has seen, as our Chucky expert who has seen the entire franchise, is that fair to say? What do you think the movie's legacy is in, in the larger context of the Chucky franchise? I think you're right about, like, it's stuff that they return to more and more, like, as as the series goes on. Because it's all so pure Don Mancini, like this, like, he's always up for exploring masculinity. Um, I know there's no, like, explicitly gay stuff in here, but there's, like there's gay coding in there that you know we'll discuss later but like all that stuff he does return to so it's like I guess all those if you have no good ideas after running dry after Shy's Play 2 maybe you just throw a load of your stuff into a movie and (laughs) some of it sticks (laughs) and it kind of feels a little bit like you know he was attempting to do something clever and interesting Uh, so yeah I I do think like there's a lot of stuff in here that feels like Don Mancini Maybe it's not his finest work, but it's there and it does get explored in future uh, chapters of Chucky. All right, then. So we're going to talk about the movie in a bit more depth in a moment, but three questions to get us started. And because this movie isn't on the 250, I don't know how to phrase this. Do you think, Charlene, do you think that Child's Play is either one of the 250 greatest or the 100 worst movies of all time? No, no, neither. It's just a bit meh. <laughs> it's just meh. You you would if you were rewatching the series, would you skip this? No. Okay. All right. So it's it's not that it doesn't cross that threshold. No, you you need to see all the Chucky movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and Andrew, what about yourself? So as our Chucky novice, do you think that this movie belongs list of the two hundred and fifty greatest or the one hundred worst movies of all time? Um, no. Uh, I think you talked about the things that it suffered from. But the things that it benefits from is having the kind of in, the ingredients of of Chucky, this beloved anti-hero, and him <laughs> him him going after like authority figures and kids <laughs> uh, and kids. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Again, this is maybe something to, to, to kids. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> pretty annoying kids, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the spoiler zone. Um, like again, this is something I find interesting about Child's Play 3 where we talk about like Mancini running out of ideas. This feels in some ways like the purest slasher version of Chucky that we've had to date. This feels like the most conventional version of what if Chucky was a slasher movie because we talked about we talked about Child's Play, we talked about how they didn't want it to be a conventional slasher movie. So it has like a car chase and exploding houses and stuff like that in it because of course it does. <laughs> and we mentioned like when you talk about Child's Play 2, it has all the weird like Tim Burton kind of score production design and uh mm. Yeah, it's more like like little weapons. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, the characters check the toilet every time now. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whereas, like, I think that when you get to Child's Play 3, it weirdly feels like you could make this into, like, a Jason or a Freddy or a Michael Myers movie with a minimum amount of effort. It doesn't, it feels like this is kind of almost closer to, say, Halloween H2O mm. than it is to Child's Play 1 or Child's Play 2. Is that fair to say, Charlene, or is that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it it does feel like, although it doesn't have a very high body count for something that, you know... Could have. But anyway, we'll get into that. <laughs> but yeah, I do think it feels a bit more like that, yeah. And again, like the fact that, as Andrew mentioned, this is set in the future, so it does feature a whole bunch of teenagers. 
yes. as well. Like that that's a major part of it feeling like an 80s slasher movie and the, the, in 1991. I, I suppose like two had that though. Like two with the introduction of Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. It had one teenager. It feels like you're kind of they multiply. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like like because like one teenager teenager on their own when they're not trying to impress anyone. Isn't that like inherently annoying? Yeah, yeah, you're you're not rooting for the killer yet. Is what yeah, the thing about Chucky is like, for for all of his skills, you either they you either have to understand why Chucky wants that person dead, or why the audience wants the person dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is again. This is something maybe to talk about the spoilers, but I do like. For me, I think that's the fundamental tension with Somebody this movie. Somebody is just like a good person. Yes. They need to like, you know, survive. bump him on the head or something <laughs> if they're going to be done away with. Like they have to do something that's like untoward <laughs> to Chucky himself. We're like, oh no, don't do that. Well, I mean, we, we did. We talked about this last week where like one of the big deaths in Child's Play 2 happens off screen. I think Andrew very astutely observed that the reason that death happens off screen is because if it happened on screen, it would be too depressing and sad because you do feel some measure of small sympathy for that character. Yeah. yeah and, and the character has done nothing to Chucky, really. Yeah. And, 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 or, yeah, Andy. And, or Andy. Or Andy. Or Andy. And Andy. And the audience um, don't want that person dead either. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, and I, I think like that's that's I think for me the fundamental tension with this movie is that when you when you put Chucky into a conventional slasher format, which is like a man with a knife murders a bunch of teenagers just because, uh, you lose a lot of like what what makes Chucky kind of fun, which is and I think it's something an- not to speak for Andrew or on behalf of Andrew, but I think when Andrew we were talking about like Child's Play and Child's Play Two, why Andrew likes the idea of Chucky. As yeah. much as we're we're experiencing Chucky right now, I think your idea was he's just a little rascal. He's a scamp. He's uh, what was what was your description of him? He's a he's a little uh, he's a little stinker. I think is how he's you described him as well. Yeah. And like there is an element of like these movies are kind of gentle for slasher movies compared to they're not like Chucky is afraid of oblivion. Charles Lee Ray is afraid of like of nothing of becoming nothing. But these movies aren't like bleak and nihilistic. They aren't mean-spirited. They don't feel mean-spirited. As bad as it can get, I feel like there is something kind of hilarious about it. Like, yeah. you know, when when in 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 the first one, where he's like, um, what is he like? You fucking bitch! You filthy <laughs> slut! I'll show you to how to fuck with me. Um, it's it's he's, because he's, it's coming from a doll. Because it's coming from a toy. <laughs> yeah, child's plaything. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like that that's the thing is that I think that Child's Play 3 is the one where that doesn't work, where it veers too far, where it feels too much like this is the kind of thing Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger should be doing mm. and not what like Chucky should be doing. And like, I think there's that's that's for me one of the tensions of the movies. But to answer the question, no, I don't think this belongs on the 250 greatest movies of all time. And no, I do not think this belongs on the 100 worst movies of all time. As I said, I think there are far worse slasher sequels out there. There are far better Chucky movies out there. Uh, but we have and will talk about those. Charlene, this is the test for you. Would this be on your own personal 250 movies? Do do ev- Does every Chucky movie get on there by default? No. All this right. one. This one resolutely does not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the insistentness of it. It's like it, it wanders up to the, the bottom of your 250. And like, sorry. No. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't like saying it in front of himself here. I should cover his ears. But no, I'm sorry. Child's Play 3 doesn't cut it for me. <laughs> Doesn't cut it, huh? Ah, ah. <laughs> say it's 
It's a bit of a hack work, is it? No, that's Ooh. not fair. Sorry, sorry to Jack Bender. <laughs> but Andrew, what about yourself? Having literally just watched this, well, first of all, how does this rank for you in terms of like the three child's play movies that we have and the three child's play movies that we will ever cover? How does it rank for you? Um, it, yeah, it, 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 I, 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 I rank them one, two, three, I think. Yeah. Right. Um, in, in that order. And and so this isn't one of the top two hundred fifty movies. But it's like it's like it's kind of like um, first, second, and third, like on a, on a on, on a, podium. a podium. That there's no disgrace in yeah. in, in, <laughs> you, in. You've got a bronze medal. Yeah. yeah. In fact, people isn't it isn't it uh, isn't it the case that people who come third then are wait a second, yeah, people who come third tend to be happier than people who come second in races because because athletes who came second feel like they could have come first okay but, but if people you come third, you're like, third yeah. they're like i almost at least i'm place. on the podium yeah, that's, yeah. That's, yeah so child's play three is the happiest of the child's play movies. yeah <laughs> I, I did it i, I, I won a i won I, an olympic medal i feel like they're not thinking if there were only three movies in the trilogy they're though. not thinking there wasn't a chance that <laughs> yeah. i could get up on it but uh, but like like that that you you would have a third place, yeah. and you would give it to Chucky Tree. Yeah, <laughs> Chucky looking out into the crowd, giving a middle finger to like Freddy's dead, the final nightmare, <laughs> just raising his middle finger defiantly. Um, and and for myself, no, this is not on my personal top two fifty. It is not on my bottom one hundred. I would, if I were rerunning the series, I think I might skip this one. Um, if I were rewatching it, um, I do think like when we rewatch stuff for the podcast. If it's not awful, a sense of Stockholm Syndrome does tend to kick in. And I think that, like, there is some good stuff here that I'm looking forward to talking about. But I do also think that, no, it is it's nowhere near as fun as, like, Child's Play 2 was. And I don't think it's as good as any of the movies that we're not going to get to talk about uh, in the future. Um, all right, then. And final question before we jump into the spoilers on Charlene. If listeners have not seen Child's Play 3... Would you recommend that they pause the podcast? Well, this is kind of see, Charlene is actually seriously considering the question for the first time today. Uh, like, I'm not really be that arse watching it. This would be the one I would be like, don't bother. It's probably fine. <laughs> you can pick it up. You can follow yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not really important. None of the stuff that happens here you'll need to know for the pr- for future purposes. No, nothing. I'm trying to think. There isn't actually that much continuity here. You could almost go straight from to 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 Bride, right? Yeah, I think so. Like, and even like stuff like there's a lot of stuff referenced in the Chucky TV show. None of that comes from yeah, Child's Play three. Book. So yeah, your life yeah. could just be easier, and you could just watch all the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> and and Andrew, what about yourself as somebody who is journeying through the? I love by the way that when I said you could go straight from two to Bride, Andrew, who has not and will never watch Bride of Chucky, was like, yeah, you could. Um, well Bride of Chucky happens like the day after this isn't it yeah but it is it's like it's set in 1998 as well so it's like yeah 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 mental it's insane I do. I, uh, John Don Mancini is feeling really good that he's like, thank goodness I didn't put hover bikes in. <laughs> yeah, <know>. Exactly. <laughs> um, and in terms of for myself, yeah, no, I think I, you. Oh, sorry. Oh, uh, I, I, I was going to say that I would recommend this to okay. people. That that that's. Um, I think there are some good kills 
um in 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 this i th- i think if you were having like a um a chart of the the top kills there there might be i think in the second one a lot of the interesting kills were of chucky <laughs> by chucky. but he gets three <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like, like child's play three kind of yeah. doubles that it's like we're, you know, we want at least one of these to stick it's like one of these is gonna stick with the audience yeah yeah because yeah. like he he <laughs> he get he 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 gets like uh his his hand cut off his legs will he chopped get off. his hand cut off yeah. in there he gets <laughs> his legs chopped off he gets yeah. like his his, his, his melted he's corroded and then to, his head is exploded to, yeah yeah, yeah. It's it, it's a lot, <laughs> and yet here we are. <laughs> and yet here we are. Um, yeah, and we'll, we'll maybe talk about this when we talk about the movie as well. In a way that directly seems to contradict how Mancini had planned to follow on from two, but that's a discussion uh, for after the spoiler zone. Uh, but sorry, Andrew. So yeah, you're saying yeah, there are some good kills. Yeah, I'd recommend it. All right. Yeah. I would. I think you can skip this one if you are doing a very intense watch of this, because apparently we are discussing these all today. Um, if you want to like marathon the series, you can probably skip it and come back to it. I don't That's think great. it's essential. But if you would you skip it and do what? <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Skip it and watch the first one again. Yeah, I guess. Yes. I guess. Yeah, watch, watch Star Trek Four, which we're covering in two weeks. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, but like, yeah, that's really appropriate. We're going from Child's Play 3 to Star Trek 4. That's just, we couldn't have planned that better. Um, seamless. But what, absolutely seamless. <laughs> absolutely seamless. But what I, yeah, if you are going to watch them, I figure, yeah. If you're ever going to watch this, though, the, it probably benefits this movie to be watched as part of the set. Like, I don't imagine anybody's ever in a situation where they're like, you know what I really need tonight? Ooh. Child's Play 3. It's like just that urge just took me. I just I felt the need to watch Child's Play three. It's, it's yeah, it's a thing where probably movies like this, and I think you mentioned like all of those Freddy and Jason and Halloween movies. They probably don't get seen these days, aside from people watching all of them. Yes, right? that's like, yeah. Nobody yeah. nobody picks out like. My, Halloween 6 The Curse of Michael Myers like that feels like a good night in that one does yeah I'm specifically gonna go with this one <laughs> yeah I like the number 6 yeah, yeah. I mean I I think there are <laughs> exceptions like I think that for example like the uh, Wes Craven's new Nightmare probably gets watched a good bit apart from the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels yeah I think that say uh, the Jason X Obviously, because they got X in the title and they go to space and it's got David Cronenberg in it. Uh, Jason Takes Manhattan, yeah. I mean, also feels like it has a good pitch in there as well. I think, that, yeah, if you... So I think maybe like the Halloween... And I think that the reboots probably work as well. But even then, you kind of probably watch all the reboots. You probably watch both Rob Zombie movies or all three David Gordon Green movies. Or maybe you just watch Halloween 3 by itself. But yeah, I feel like you don't go... Give me Halloween 5, please. I'm just a guy... I just got an urge. I got to scratch this oh, evening. Lord. Yeah, uh, I want to watch. Was it like the Dream Child? That's that's the <laughs> movie that I picked to put on tonight. The Dream Child. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of I think that yeah, the only real justification that sounds really judgy of me. I'm sorry. I was going to say the the only real justification you have for watching Child's Play three is watching it as part of a marathon. That sounds very judgy. Watch it however you want. Yes. If you want to watch it by itself, feel free to do so. Personally. I would argue that the this is best experienced in a run of movies, but I also feel like that helps the movie and not the run. So if you want to skip it, you can. If you want to watch it, the best time to watch it is part of the run, paradoxically. Um, so yeah, it just depends on whether you want to watch it or not. I don't feel it's necessary, and I don't feel like I'd recommend it casually out of the blue to anybody. Um, all right, then, with that in mind, we'll segue neatly 
into the spoiler zone. So, Charlene, what is Child's Play 3, which I want to stress has the tagline, look who's stalking. Um, <laughs> what I didn't is... see that. Yeah, it's great. Like, it's, I... Sorry, Jack, Chucky's back. back. Yeah, that's Child's the... Play 2. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Seed of Chucky has some really good stuff as well, but we'll get to that. Really, well, we won't get to that. I'm trying to stick it to Jack from... The box. Yeah, I, well, I mean, he's had a monopoly on that for quite a while. You know, it feels like feels yeah, like yeah. It, you know, I like I am sick Jack. and tired of hearing about Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> like, it's, it's Chucky. Chucky has something. Yeah, it's Chucky deserves something. Finally, exactly. finally, some recognition. But so, Charlene, it's his time. What is Child's Play three about for you? Mm-hmm. Um, cranking out sequels that's what it's about for me <laughs> <laughs> a metaphor for itself the opening scene takes place in a factory where they are assembly lining and harvesting anything resembling intellectual property that might I, be of value I yeah. do like that but it was like part of a better movie I think yes. yeah. the rejuckification <laughs> stuff yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, like that—that that is. I think the it's thi- better than the treatment in in two. Ooh, that's possibly. Con- that's controversial. That's them fighting. It, it makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mean in the sense that it's not a—it's it's not a modern. You're not time consciously machine. trying to put back the the, the, the parent <laughs> husk of of the killer doll. of the serial killer. Doll. <laughs> It's just that blood has gotten into the... <laughs> I love that you're like, That's this is more cool. logical. Blood got into no! the plastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No! <laughs> <laughs> it's much more realistic and grounded, I think. As someone who's familiar with logic. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry Shirley. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty cool sequence, though, the, the opening sequence. Like, it looks cool. Like, that is, like, the peak of the movie for me. <laughs> it's just like, oh, this is deadly. The cobwebs. Like, I, I love the implication that, like, Playpals have just left the factory floor <laughs> idle for eight years. Like, it's been like, should we use that space? It, like, it feels like real estate is probably very valuable right now. Jap- yeah. Japanese uh, toy companies um, <laughs> just uh, kind of uh, took them to the cleaners. But now, now <laughs> sorry, but now, now, now they're, now they're go- getting, getting back. They believe in themselves again. Yeah. Exactly. They just needed to wait till they were right. ready. Um, yeah. I mean, again, the 90s economy needed to start booming. I do love, though, like, again, the cobwebs of it. And I love the fact that it is very transparently not the set from Child's Play 2, <laughs> which is, like, hilarious because they commissioned this while they were making Child's Play 2. And it's like, how difficult would it have been to leave that set standing for a couple of weeks just to shoot the opening scene of Child's Play 3? And it's like, no. We're going to strip it down, we're going to give you a lower budget, and we're going to ask you to recreate it as well, which is quite impressive. (laughs) And again, like, I'm not a big fan of kind of like nitpicking at logic uh, in movies. I think like, is it Noel Murray makes the argument that like, if you're picking up plot holes, it's because the movie's not engaging you. It's because you're not engaged emotionally with it. And so if you're picking up logic. the movie sucks, but it's not why the movie sucks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I I do kind of love the idea that they just left like the molten Chucky sculpture in the middle of the floor for like eight years. That like when the police and the the kind of (laughs) services came in to get the poor like 
pokey eye mechanic guy who got brutally murdered. They're like, should we do anything with the bleeding plastic sculpture? And it's like, no, no, no. That's nothing. Don't mind that. (laughs) Why is it bleeding? Oh, never mind. What's wrong with you, pervert? We got more important things we do. Do something with the doll, is that it? I say leave it well enough alone. (laughs) What is this, a David Cronenberg movie? And like, and again, it's notable that like, Mancini had written this script. Well, first of all, he'd written two to lead directly this. The plan at the end of two, there was a deleted scene you can watch on the Blu-ray, is that where Chucky gets destroyed, his his head gets blown up at the end, uh, a bit of his face lands in the plastic, uh, big vat of plastic. And so the closing shot of the alternate ending of two is them melting that down, kind of like Terminator 2, and then them constituting a whole bunch of new Chucky's and all of the Chucky's smiling simultaneously um, in plastic, Amazing. like before their faces are applied. And Mancini's idea was that he was going to do like an army of Chucky's. And then they all get sent to militaries. Because <laughs> <laughs> they got to learn. They got to learn somehow. <laughs> yeah. But like, like again, I, I love that it's like you could it's tell that... Gun. Man- <laughs> But Mancini, Mancini's like, no, but no bad ideas. It's like, they all go in the drawer. We'll come back to this idea at some point in the future. Because yeah. um, again, like, it's, again, small logic puzzle, but it's like the the first doll off the line, right, happens to be Chucky. But like, yes. presumably there's a whole vat full of like voodoo Chucky blood there that's been like making a whole like bunch of dolls, right? Presumably that's because- somebody else's nightmare. Yeah, that's so. fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 like we're following the movie. story of Andy. <laughs> I, I know, but that implies that, yeah, that, that implies that like none of the other Chuckies that come out have the same idea. Yeah, <laughs> but they they all do. <laughs> They're just a, nowhere near as effective. This is America, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like maybe you can bla- ban it in the European Union. You don't want to tell people what to do. <laughs> <laughs> all these regulations these health and safety exactly, regulations yeah um, I, I do like and again Mancini wrote that opening scene so like he originally wanted to do it on he wanted to do a big scene on the factory floor that would have had like the CEO of PayPal of PayPal's toys kind of just doing like a big announcement and the press would be there and the entire floor would be like clapping and you get to see the first Chucky being assembled and the first Chucky being presented to him uh, and I love that, like, apparently at one stage, Bender's like, yeah, no, we can't afford that. So what's going to happen is there's going to be a meeting room. There's going to be about eight people in there. And then they're going to just give him the doll, which is the first doll from the factory assembly that he literally just ordered open, like, two minutes ago. Which, again, not, not complaining about the logic of it, but I do find it fascinating that, like, that's the workaround. I like the murder, though. I do like the murder of the CEO. I think it's like, that's a highlight. But Charlene, you said you like that early part. Is that including the murder of the CEO or is it just the factory stuff? Uh, no, just the fact, just like literally him being assembled. I think it looks really cool. The murder, like the ultimate like death by yo-yo, I'm into. But I think it takes a long time for this murder to happen. And it's very <laughs> crap at being suspenseful. So it loses me a bit there. But like it's, it totally pays off because death by yo-yo is good. <laughs> well, I mean, like that is an idea that I think that like Mancini had pitched for the first Charles Play movie was the idea. And you, you can kind of see it where like Andy takes Chucky into his room and he shows him all his toys. And the idea was that like Mancini was really going to have Andy fight back against Chucky using all of his toys. Mm. 
So this feels like it's a reappropriation of that idea by having Chucky murder, like, Sullivan with all of those toys. But it, again, like, this is an idea that feels like it's left over. I think Peter Haskell, who played Sullivan, has talked about how, like, he was meant to die in Child's Play 2. Because he literally suggested that uh, Greg, whatever, shove Ch- the Chucky doll up his ass. And he's like, Chucky's never going to forget that. But it was like they couldn't figure out how to write the scene where Chucky murders Sullivan. So he survived, and then he gets murdered at the start of Child's Play 3. There was also, in an early draft of the script... That, like That's an example of a person who dies because we don't like him. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, he- <laughs> uh, Chucky should be thankful. <laughs> For bringing him back from the dead. Well, that, that's the thing, like, he... It's the Dick Jones. <laughs> yes, he, like that presentation that he gives, where it's like whether it's nuclear weapons, chemical weapons, toys. The consumers. <laughs> and we at OCP. <laughs> <laughs> Believe the consumer is king. Like that is, we talked about Mancini has a father who works in advertising. And like he said, like one of the phrases that stuck with him was, we see children as trainee consumers. Like that's yes. that's a line Mancini got from his father and was like, yep. Mm. That's what this franchise is kind of about. <laughs> yeah. Certainly the first two. Yes. I think and I think the start of the third one. And then they kill <laughs> off that that part of the franchise. <laughs> and it never comes back. Like I'm amazed that like Playpals never comes back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, we're done now. We're yeah. done now with this. Uh we we should note by the way, Andrew's Elon like Musk made like part part of his early fortune. <laughs> Investing in Playpals. Playpals. Yeah. <laughs> They don't bring it up. In fact, he gets very touchy and he'll ban, he'll ban any Twitter uh, journalist who mentions it. <laughs> but I, I do think that there is... Andrew mentioned the idea that Chucky should be thankful to Sullivan for bringing him back to life. <laughs> In the original draft, one of the original ideas after that whole, uh, you know, the whole, well, we can't afford like extras and a conveyor belt system. The original pitch was going to be, well, okay, what if... Chucky is brought back to life at the end of the second movie and that doll, they just shut down the conveyor belt and Chucky is stuck as a disembodied head on a stick for eight years. And then that is his motivation for killing Sullivan. Like, <laughs> like he's just, he's, he's really pissed that he spent eight years conscious with his head on a stick. And he's like, I am going to get you back. That's why you don't fuck with the Chuck. <laughs> yeah, we are very much in standard horror movie one-liner territory here. Yeah, yeah the like, he doesn't try to bargain with Chucky, does he? That's fair. He doesn't say, take my gold card. You can have your own no. show. <laughs> I, I can buy you all of the vodka. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're, you've got star quality. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so basically, the, then Chucky mails himself to Andy. And again, I do like that Chucky is... Tech literate. Like, he's a voodoo strangler, but he also knows how to use the early internet. Well, the good thing about the early internet is that it it can always do, like, whatever you want to do. I think movies benefit a lot, like Ferris Bueller, (laughs) this kind of other, other, other movies with, like, computers in them. They benefit from... Like Before the audience doesn't know what a computer no, a is yeah. <laughs> or what it can do and what it can't do. But like hacking like, into like confidential files about where Andy is right now within with the click yeah. of a button is uh, well, pretty the, amazing. <laughs> it's the application that does that was open. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it just so happened. Cool. I'll use my um, tiny finger to hit that one button. <laughs> 
Um, but yes, so he he discovers obviously There's that another Ant- button is like post myself to. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's the other thing I'd like if we had a sequence of uh, Chucky wrapping himself up. <laughs> yeah. I I also just love the idea of like the the the, the delivery men from Playpals just arriving at Sullivan's apartment and like finding all the marbles on the floor and his dead asphyxiated body, and they're like, should we? Should... He looks like he had a pretty rough night. He's like, don't wake him. You know how they are. They party. He wants this thing delivered. Um, but yeah, um, it does feel like it's a bit of a misfeat. Uh, and obviously then Chucky mails himself to the school where Andy is now enrolled and is, is learning, you know, basically becoming a military man. I buy it because probably in that big building there was a mail room. Yes. Yeah. I feel like all he had to do was get down to the mail room. And get himself ready to, to go first thing in the morning. But you, you will notice that when the package is delivered, it does have a PayPal's like address on it. So he did use the PayPal's account. Like again, pr- like Chucky hacking. Appropriation. It's worst crime. I've said this before on this podcast and I'll say it again, but like Chucky is very resourceful. Like I believe he can get himself mailed to a military school. He can do it. I think so. <laughs> I mean, I get, like, Chucky is precisely as resourceful as the movie needs him to be. Again, it's the fuck you bitch moment from, like, Child's Play 2, where I'm like, feels like he could have put a little bit more effort into it, whereas mailing himself to the military school where Andy's living, I'm like, fair play. I <laughs> love the, yeah. the, 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 uh, the, the children's exercise book with fuck you bitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it, it's just the ma- it's the way in which like it presents it, where the camera pans down and he's looking for something, and he's like, "There it is!" And you're like, "What fiendishly intricate plan has Chucky concocted?" And it's literally just scrolling, "Fuck you, bitch!" in big red letters. It's like no wonder Andy can't outwit him. <laughs> but yes, so he gets himself mailed to Kent Military School. Uh, which is basically where he's been sent after he's been bounced around foster homes, apparently. And like, yeah, this is the part where I think the movie kind of loses me. Charlene, what about you? What do you make of like the second act of this movie, which is all military school all the time? Yeah, like it's I don't know if this um this might sound like I'm being sexist, but like when I was a small girl, I just found this whole military thing just like really like boring boy stuff. So like. There's that because nothing else in the first, nothing in the first two films are kind of like boy stuff, <laughs> you know. It's like kiddie stuff. So like, <laughs> I do. Th- it's just like it's just kind of bland. The whole world that's set up just feels like it's cliche after cliche after cliche. Maybe like I do like the girl, Andy's girlfriend. What's her name? I forget. Christine De Silva. Yeah, I liked her. I thought she was really. She was a bit like spunky and cool. Um, but apart from that, I was just a bit like, Bleh. this is um, like kind of a dull world that I've seen before. And also the plot, <laughs> the plot is so, <laughs> this fucking child just stealing someone's post and then going to the basement to like play with this doll that he's stolen. And then when he's confronted <laughs> by Andy about like, have you seen Chucky? He's like, well, yeah, I like. And I stole him. I don't know. It's mental. It's so thoughtless. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> little we, prick. We, we, like we we mentioned this on like Child's Play. Like 
Alex Vincent's kind of Andy Barkley is a pretty good child's protagonist in that, like, you you don't hate him. You don't find him aggravating. Yeah. I think he gets better in Child's Play, too. But I think, as you said, he's very good at playing, like, emotional beats. I don't think this is Jeremy Silver's fault. I'm not blaming the actor in any way, shape or form. No, for he's this. good. Yeah. I, he, I think he's very good. I think the script. Uh, I think <laughs> Ronald Tyler... Ronald Tyler is a child that you almost want to see die, which is a very interesting thing to happen in a movie where he is like singularly, like insistently unlikable. As you said, he steals Andy's doll. Then when the doll starts talking to him and swearing at him and playing games like Hide the Soul, he's like, he's my best friend. And when Andy's like, maybe. <laughs> I you- like that. I like that a lot. That, like he, he's kind of um, so kind of like happy go lucky and oblivious to, um, to Chucky's kind of like intentions. And I feel like. He's that age where, like, he doesn't understand, like, you know, he, he has to be explained to him, like, why you can't s- steal Chucky. <laughs> yeah. no, I don't I, buy I, that I... for a second. <laughs> <laughs> he, his father's high up in the military. He's an entitled little shit. That's what he is. <laughs> well, yeah, he has the run of the school. You stealing people's dolls. Yeah, yeah. go away. What a little brat. Like, it, like I, I know that, you know, technically you have, like, Colonel Cochran is like, well, you call me sir, but it does feel like it's kind of like, but yes, I do answer to you, uh, Ronald, I'm afraid. But like, <laughs> the, it's it's the thing where, and it's the way in which he's presented, where like that sequence in the mess hall, where Andy goes over to warn him that Chucky's bad news. And like, and again, this is not like Silver's fault. It's the way the movie presents him. He is sitting in the mess hall in military school, in a strict military school, playing Game Boy really loud. He's got a handheld console and it just keeps making noise. And while Andy is talking to him, he takes a moment to put this giant Game Boy console down that he has apparently been given to placate him during mealtimes. And then when Andy's like, you know that toy you stole from me? You probably shouldn't (laughs) trust it. And he's like, you're just jealous. Like there's a moment yeah, where... what a little asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a level of emotional awareness there where it's like you are just it's not like, you know, oh, you don't understand him like I do or you don't know him or whatever. It's no, you're jealous of me cuz I I run this school. Just so we're clear on this. Now yeah. let me get back to my I game. I have a cool doll. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's Well, it's 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 Andy feels <laughs> Like um, his his ex kind of came. He thought he was here to see him. <laughs> he was here to murder some other child. How does that make you feel? Um, it makes him feel less than. Yeah, <laughs> but Chucky, we play hide the soul. That's our game. Yeah. <laughs> but by the way, yeah, there is something very uncomfortable in like I know it's a joke from Child's Play 2, but in Child's Play 2 it's like meant to be sinister. It's like when he's knocked him out, he's like we're going to play a game called Hide the Soul and it's like you're meant to be creepy and Andy is unconscious and doesn't hear him say this. But like throughout this movie, he's like telling Ronald I've got a new game we're going to play together. It's called Hide the Soul. It feels like the kind of thing that you receive. repeats it as well. He's like, we're playing Hide the Soul. Yeah. And it feels like the kind of thing that should like set off some sort of like Amber Alert. Like it feels like the kind of thing that you should get a video in school warning you that if a stranger offers to play Hide the Soul with you, 
you should tell an adult immediately. Which is, and again, it's just, it's kind of, and it is surreal, and I get it's meant to be surreal, it's a killer doll movie, but it does, it (laughs) kind of crosses a line for me where it it ceases to be funny and cute and becomes kind of annoying. Like the moment where Chucky, and I know this is intentional in the movie's part, the moment where Chucky goes goes to put his soul into Ronald and discovers the note on the bed saying (laughs) now you're it you have to find me your best friend ronald Um, i love that he says your best friend yeah i like that a lot yeah chucky's also uh, excited about about uh becoming an african-american as well chucky's gonna be a bro that's part of it yeah (laughs) it's very 1991 it's very 1991 um but sorry, is there anything else you want to say about Ronald Tyler, Charlie? It's good, it's good that, you know, that he, he doesn't have, like, prejudice. Or... Well, yeah, that does set up a recurring motif in the movies that we're not going to talk about, where Chucky is in equal opportunities. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he doesn't really judge. He doesn't see creed or orientation or, you know, background or anything like that. He's, 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 a, he's pure of heart. <laughs> when he was the Bayside Strangler, he, he would kill people of all... Yeah! Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, like you know, there is the misogyny stuff yeah. that right. uh, we don't really unpack or explore. <laughs> no, no, not really. <laughs> when, when it comes to men or, or, or you know, non-binary individuals, Chucky's very open-minded. But yeah, I, I do love that. That's something that's serious. And again, this ties into the whole like the Chucky movies being like the good slasher franchise or the light slasher franchise or the fun slasher franchise, where like. In the other horror franchises, you have to deal with the like the misogyny of like all these beautiful young women being murdered for having sex. And I think the Chucky mm-hmm. franchise is fascinating because it manages to largely avoid that in that like Chucky tends to fixate on, you know, Andy Barkley, who is a child. <laughs> um, but like, it also weirdly means that like when he is intensely misogynistic, like when he writes fuck you bitch in like big red letters or when he 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 tells Andy's mother to take her fucking hands off him while referring to her using all sorts of like horribly sexist and misogynistic terminology. <laughs> it it manages to feel somewhat like less uncomfortable than a lot of just watching a regular slasher movie is, which is a very interesting part of the Chucky franchise, I think. Yeah. But yeah, so the military school stuff. Uh, anything else you want to say about that? Anything coming out of you, Charlene, in terms of, like, just outside of, like, mail theft, which is a federal offense. <laughs> he points I out think... that as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I I just think the the fact that all that stuff is so stupid makes the plot just feel stupid. <laughs> so, like, it's that, not just that Ronald is so annoying, but also that, like, it's just kind of, it's just getting from A to B to C just feels like so unnecessarily stupid. It's like bad plotting, yeah. which is annoying because like, well, you know, I wasn't sitting there as a seven or eight year old girl going like, this is bad plotting. But I was like, this is just not very good. Um, but I, I like, um, I like recast Andy. I think Justin Whalen's good. Yeah. I mean, obviously we would prefer our own little child, Andy, but like I thought he was good. He is good. Is he kind of unlikable, though? I think he's kind of a dope, like poor little small Andy. 
I think he kind of suffers a little bit because he's not like the focal point, like because he's not the target of Chucky. Mm-hmm. And and I get that. I get the logic of well, it, Ch- Chucky has been trying for two movies now to get his soul into Andy Barkley. <laughs> it's time to kind of shake things up. Yeah, but it does feel like like taking his focus away from Andy and kind of splitting him with Ronald leaves Andy feeling a bit superfluous. Like, it's like he can kill Andy or not kill Andy. It doesn't really make a difference. Mm. Andy, at this point, could just get away. Yes, he could just leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, like, leave the school and run, and, like, that would be it. That would be the end of the movie. But he's trying He's trying to protect... Um, <laughs> Adorable little Ronald. From, from suffering the same um, <laughs> way that he did. From being uh, victimized. Yeah. By this toy. <laughs> I, I do think, like, to, to bring it back to something Charlene said there about, like, the military school, what I do think is interesting about this movie is that this is the point where you really consciously start to see gender and gender roles play into the Chucky franchise. Like, this is obviously, you know, this is a male environment, quote unquote, a traditionally masculine environment. But you have the character of, like, Christine De Silva, who is the toughest person there. And she is a female cadet. She mm-hmm. seems like like often before a movie, you have a, a movie like this, where you do like full metal Chucky. You talk to all the cast, and it's like, yeah, it was twelve weeks. <laughs> it was tough, but when you, you you see it on screen, but it's like for this one, it was just her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just Reeves. yeah, she's the only one who learned how to fire a gun, or yeah. that. Or that you can't just replace paintballs with, like, live rounds of ammunition and have it work. Um, (laughs) I don't know much about paintball, but I'm fairly certain that's not how it works. (laughs) But, like, I I do think that there is something there where you have, like, you know, again, you have, like, the the really horrible cadet, the guy who's bullying him. Um, Is it, like, Shelton? Shelton. Shelton. Yeah, young Shelton. (laughs) The adventures of young Shelton. Where, like, Shelton is like, you know, ladies, you're not going to get any special treatment and stuff like that. You have, like, the moment where, like, Ronald is playing with the doll and Colonel Cochran comes in. And he's like, don't you know dolls are for girls? Even though, obviously, like, Chucky mm. was designed as a My Buddy toy, which was designed to sell dolls to boys yeah. uh, in the U.S. market for one of the first times of that as well. You have the bit where they put the makeup on Chucky as well. Mm. Uh, and you have, like, Ronald, you're ruining him. You're ruining him. Mm. Um, but you have this kind of like, I think, interesting idea. And again, as Charlene mentioned, it's subtext. There would have been an explicit reference to it, but it was cut. The moment where like uh, Andy sneaks into Shelton's room to steal Chucky back and get rid of Chucky once and for all. And he falls on the bed and wakes him up by falling on the bed, uh, which is obviously like a very homoerotically coded moment. Um, mm. You also, I think, as well have is that Whitehurst is in the closet. Whitehurst is introduced in the closet as well, if you're talking about queer yeah. history there. Yeah. Um, but you have this idea that after that happened, Shelton was going to go, are you coming out of the closet, Barkley? Um, nice. Which would have been the first acknowledgement of a queer identity in the horror franchise. Mm. And obviously it doesn't happen. And obviously it's kind of complicated by the fact that this is the one where Andy gets a girlfriend, where Andy kisses a girl and therefore is simultaneously the straightest and queerest of the movies in the franchise. <laughs> um, but I do find it, or to this point, I should say, and that we will ever cover on this yeah, podcast. They, they get queerer. <laughs> yeah, they do, they do get a little queerer. Slightly queerer. <laughs> Just a tiny bit, a little bit. Um, but I, it is interesting that like that seems to come out at this point. Is that fair to say? Um, I was liking the idea. Well, I think it's interesting that Whitehurst, oh, sorry. Sorry, no, 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 no. no. Go, go, go ahead. Uh, no, sorry. I was just going to say, I think it's interesting that Whitehurst is like the hero. He's a an actual person who does a, a like heroic act 
and he's our queer coded guy. I feel like that's a Don Mancini special. He dives on the grenade. He yeah. does indeed. He takes the grenade. <clears throat> Again, that gesture of brotherly kind of solidarity. The idea of like, that's the thing that they ask you in the army is, would you jump on a grenade for your brothers? And yes, he, he's the one who does it. He's kill number six. This is more kills than than the second one, which is more kills than the first, right? Yeah, standard law of, of horror sequel escalation. Thank you, Randy from Scream. But yes, the body count is always much, much higher. Um, but it's only Carnage gradually. candy! <laughs> um, I like the idea of that package coming from um, Playpals, but it's not from Playpals. It's um, a pair of jeans. <laughs> no, that his mother has gotten. <laughs> Just in the shape of a box. I like that. Yeah. It's like a, that private joke that we still have between us. Um, yeah. Even from a psychiatric institution. Do we want to talk a little bit about the kills? Because I do, I do think there are a couple of good kills here. Andrew mentioned a couple. Like, what is your favorite kill from this? I movie? like the bin man. Oh my god! Both, both, um, yeah, both like Chucky being in the bin and being like, ah, shit. <laughs> but also having to do the thing like where he's small and he can't get out, so he's like, help me, Mister, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the bit where he's like, Andy, I was just playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And he's like, oh, dear that's, Lord. That is an excellent kill. There's somebody in there. That's like this, the bit in the movie that's actually scary is like the bit in the dump. Because like that, I know, you don't really see people getting crushed in bin trucks that much. But I feel like it's everyone's fear who's ever seen a bin yeah. truck. It's, it's well done. Well, again, like there's, there's an element of kind of randomness to this movie. And again, it's something that feels like it's a late slasher sequel thing. There where <laughs> where all of the characters, as we mentioned, all the characters in the previous movie who die on screen tend to either have like been an obstacle to Chucky and therefore needed to die or like been somebody the character the audience hates and therefore need to die like Child's Play 3 is the one where it just feels like it's kind of Mm. there are elements of that like it's good to see Cochrane die it's good to see Botnik die but like the bin man well you have to do it like there there is a um, it's Chekhov's bin truck yeah there there is a there's a mission (laughs) Hitman blood money when there's a bin truck and you just kind of have to, like, as soon as you see it, you're like, I'm going to put everyone in the village in this <laughs> bin truck by the end of this. Um, yeah. Um, and do you have a favorite death from this section, Shirley? Yes, the, the barber scene. I love it. I mean... <laughs> it's a simple good old Andrew Robinson from Hellraiser yeah. uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Dirty Harry he's a good lad he's a good lad and he got what was coming to him that was great in fairness like that's just a simple but effective kill I love it and it's <laughs> foreshadowed as well yes well that's it's the thing when he talks about like why Romans uh, had a military was to get them to cut their hair so they couldn't be pulled back and have their throats slit and how does he die yeah hair and his throat slit Exactly. Uh, I like the way as well that he's kind of just like walking around. Oh, in the Met Hall. Like like telling people. Friday. Like what he does is he slowly cuts people's hair like one person (laughs) at a time each day of the week. Yeah, (laughs) And it feels like that's just the one thing that he does. It doesn't feel like he also, that's his side hustle. It feels like, no, it's like, no, he's he's got like a set schedule. He works at his own pace. Botnik is like the best barber in the US military because he takes his time. (laughs) 
he he has like the the hair trimmer, but he doesn't use it. Yes, he, uses <laughs> he like cuts. The, he uses the scissors. Yeah, that that's one of the th- except with except with Tyler. Yeah, well, I mean that's the thing with this movie that I find like this is I think perhaps the nastiest of the Child's Play movies, and we'll get to that when we get to like the War Games because I think the War Games bit is actually nasty in a way that I don't think the franchise is for a, at least until maybe cult or curse. Like it it the franchise doesn't get as nasty as like we're gonna give kids bullets and have them shoot each other for another couple of movies again. Mm. And I think that like you're watching this and like when Botnik is like has the tiny little scissors and he's trimming his mustache in real time, you're like, is Chucky going to jam the scissors up his nose? Is that what he like there's a whole bunch of like playing games in this movie where it's like the the movie is teasing really horrible, really gruesome deaths for everybody involved. And it often feels like they kind of land on somewhat underwhelming ones. Like, as you said, like the the yo-yo garrote is a good one, for example, but it does feel like it's a, a long walk to get there. Um, and it does feel like having his throat cut is a nice callback, but it's also like, you're like, this is less gruesome than I thought it was going to be. Um, and like you have, I, I actually really like the Cochrane death. The, the Colonel Cochrane death, oh, yeah. where Chucky like just appears with the knife and gives him a massive heart attack. And it's like, <laughs> you've got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> um, and again, like that is a, a death that is somewhat foreshadowed as well, because you have this idea he was telling Andy to put away childish things and he was telling Ronald not to play with dolls. And what happens? He falls over on top of his toy soldiers. Uh, because again, Don Mancini... All of these people are hypocrites. Even yeah. Botnik has long hair, despite all his, or longish hair, <laughs> yeah. despite advocating for the crew cut. Um, but I do I do think that's that's interesting. I do think that's a nice little recurring motif. One thing that kind of annoys me a little bit about this movie, and there are so many movies that do it from, like, like Hacksaw Ridge... Arguably like an officer and a gentleman, but just this kind of like, um, this is full metal Chucky. And they just, you know, this wholesale used stuff from From like full metal Jack. (laughs) Like that the amount of. You mean like uh, Shelton's big speech where he's like embarrassing them. It's like, are you disagreeing with me? This is the worst recruit I have ever seen. Do you agree? Well, yeah, it's it's like you must be the um, sorry a sack of shit that yeah. I ever did see, and um, and uh, this is um, this isn't a, a gun, this is a rifle. Um, oh, this is for fun. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, yeah, this is for yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, like again, it's it's worth noting that like one of Mancini's it's all cribbed. Like, what? It's all just cribbed from from Full Metal Jacket, better movies, yeah. and so <laughs> many so many movies that have any sort of a. Um, drill boot sergeant. camp kind yeah. of drill sergeant thing. They 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 just r- refuse to do their own thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the thing is that like that was just so influential that it's impossible to escape. Yeah. Like whenever you think of it, you think of that. Like again, we talked about how when he was making Whiplash, Damien Chazelle was like, "Finally, I saw my experience of learning to play the drums on screen." <laughs> there is something in Full Metal Jacket that just resonates like with anybody who has ever had a teacher like that. Um, but like. It may it may disappoint you to discover, Andrew, that apparently like one of Mancini's big problems with the movie is that it's not enough like Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> it's that that they couldn't get uh, Orly Ermey or a similar actor to Orly Ermey to play Colonel Cochrane. 
and they have to go with like Dakin Matthews, who's this character actor who I generally like. Like he's generally pleasant when he's on screen. Spielberg uses him a lot in his later movies. I think he popped up in Bridge of Spies, for example, and I think he popped up in Lincoln as well. But he doesn't exactly radiate like hard ass kind of like. Oh, no, he's you know. kind of cute. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it kind of feels like not such a bad school. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're kind of waiting for him because he's got that nice face. So you're kind of waiting for him to like turn and actually help Andy or something. He's not fearsome or terrifying. That's yeah. disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Um. And, and yeah. So I can kind of see Mancini's kind of point there. I do love, by the way, that like after. And again, to be fair, I think Botnik dies. Um. Like just before they're about to begin the war games. But I do like that they're like, look, Colonel Cochrane was the heart and soul of this institution. <laughs> In his, in his memory, we will continue to conduct the war games where the children simulate killing each other. We're not going to take any time to mourn the sudden passage <laughs> of our, like, beloved principal. And it's like, we just Co- found, like, Cochran the barber. Cochrane would have wanted that. What? Cochrane would have wanted that. Yeah. And I don't think they have found the barber. No, they haven't found the barber yet. To be. Although one, one imagines that, like, by the time it's, like, nightfall, somebody has found the barber in the school. And they're like, so. should we call the kids Is back? It's like, now nah, they're gone game. now. <laughs> it's that time of the year. Everybody's eyes are on it. It's just like, where is Botnik? Why isn't he seeing this? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, it's his loss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do love the idea that they find him and they're just like, we don't want it to ruin the war game, so we'll call it in on Monday morning. Yeah. That's Talks the deal. they're yeah. doing it at the same time as the amusements are on. <laughs> well, yeah, that is that is the third act of the movie. Um, which is, like, and, I, and this is <laughs> one of those things where you can feel Mancini being like, okay, I'm at like 80 pages, I need another 40. Ah, carnival, carnival, is, carnival, it's carnival. such a weird change of pace, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But... By the way, if, if we can go back a second, yeah, I love the setup and payoff with Botnik, where it's like, "Hey, presto, you're bald," <laughs> and then it's like, "Hey, presto, you're dead." <laughs> I, I do feel like the writing in this again, because he's working on this script, and he's like, "I have no ideas," and they're like, "Would you like more money?" He's like, "Yes, but I also have no ideas." It does feel like don't fuck with the Chuck and hey, presto, you're dead. Or maybe like first idea, best idea kind of like bitches. It's like, we'll come back and we'll circle back around and we'll fix that. Well, it's like he's probably wrote down a bunch of stuff on a page and then created a screenplay out of it. And some of the things were like set pieces and some of the things were one liners. (laughs) It just all got put into final draft, like spits out this script. (laughs) Yeah. Budget permitting. I do love like again that se- that sequence Andrew mentioned where uh, where Andrew Andrew Robinson is like walking through the hall and going like Friday Monday Tuesday where he gets the ball kid and just like slaps his head and goes my man. <laughs> She's a small I love moment. a child with no hair. <laughs> yeah. Like finally this guy gets it. So I do love the and also the fact that apparently like Andy has sat in the chair but hasn't gone buzz cut. Yeah. Like, is there some sort of, like, sadistic game that Botnik's playing where it's like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you a four, but I want you to know the zero is waiting for you in your Yeah, future. next Wednesday, you're in here for the zero. <laughs> yeah. I want you to feel what it's like to lose a little before you lose a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, before we move away from the military school, is there anything we want to talk about? Aside from maybe the, the war game stuff, but, like, is there anything in the body of that the, like the second act of the movie that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about, Shirley? Sorry, I think I, my internet might have crapped out again. 
No worries. Um, we always worry when you freeze because the Chucky doll is standing right behind you, and I'm always like, "Has it moved?" Um, <laughs> um but is, before we move on from like before we talk maybe about the war games and the carnival, is there anything in the second act in the school that you want to talk about that we haven't discussed or anything jumping out at you? Mm, no, not really. <laughs> no, no, no. All oh, right. I, I, I didn't mention there. We mentioned Roger Ebert earlier on uh when we were talking about chucky 2 yeah and the at the chicago sometimes yes there's a there's a roger ebert yes guy. yeah it, like you noticed that as well i thought the, I, stars, I, the guy in the I, boardroom I, again, yeah. <laughs> that 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 was something again that i think um corleone was yeah that they that they that they that they that they, that they get ahead of themselves they they talk a little bit about three when when they're covering two yeah but they did mention that, and he does. He does, and and again, part of me is like that feels like we mentioned it last week with the whole uh, eat dirt Tommy thing. Mancini's not somebody who forgets a grudge, so it feels like like Ebert got the Chicago Sun stuff in two because he gave a good review to Child's Play one. It feels a little bit like he's put like the Ebert character here is the killjoy who's like, I just want it known that I'm going to be on the record filing my complaint about what you're doing. Here. <laughs> it does feel it's a little bit like Mancini's being like, well. Fuck you and your review of Child's Play 2. Um, just a little bit. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. It's, it, 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 like, you'd almost think for a second that they that they did put Roger Ebert, that, that it's like a Leonard Malton in Gremlins 2. <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean, okay, so then let's, the war game Which, stuff. By like, the way, is terrific. <laughs> um, the Eber thing or or Gremlins Two? Gremlins Two. Gremlins Two. Is uh, with, with with Leonard Maltin. Yeah, and Hulk Hogan. Uh, <laughs> um, every movie should no 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 no. I was gonna say every movie should have Hulk Hogan, but it feels like you can't no. say that these days. Yeah. No. There's that one terrible. Movie <laughs> yeah, you know that's a very fair point. That is a very fair point. I did stop I've myself. Never, I've never seen it. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. Sorry, All no, right. I, <laughs> And now we're on that subject. But I do think, like, that is that is a tension for me with the movie is the war game stuff. So the bit where Chucky, Chucky just casually swaps paintballs for, like, live rounds. And ignoring the logic of, like, that's not how paintball guns work, um, there is something that... How these paintball guns Fair, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, Chucky is a master of all trades and very resourceful, <laughs> so we don't know. But it, it does feel like that's possibly the most evil thing that Chucky has done in the franchise to this point. And it does feel like it's kind of a little bit out... Like, for all of, like, Ebert's moral complaining about, like, the meanness of Child's Play 2, it does feel like this is a little bit outside the remit of the Child's Play franchise. Where, like, Child's Play and Child's Play 2 are, like, bad people get punished and you don't have to feel guilty about it. Whereas here, it's like, no, a bunch of kids are going to literally shoot themselves. And it feels like... It's a point Mancini's making about, like, the military and about kids being trained to, you know, use firearms and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But it also feels like it's... It feels like it doesn't fit the movie that it is. Is that fair yeah, to say? I, I feel like Chucky's in danger of losing his license. <laughs> you know, people might come after him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you've been an irresponsible <laughs> Chucky. <laughs> um, <laughs> you lost the nation's heart. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but like, is is that fair to say? Like, 
as, as less like, likable now. Yeah, as as the Chucky franchise expert, Charlene, is is that fair to say? Like, is like is part of the difference between the Chucky franchise and the Halloween franchise that like these movies are warmer to a certain extent, or they're less nihilistic? Like, am I am I wrong in kind of saying? That? No, there's definitely something to the Chucky movie. Like, he's obviously a sadistic killer, and I think as the series goes on, he becomes more and more enamored of just killing. Like, it's not there's no like I need to kill because I need to get my soul out of this damn body. Like, he just really loves killing. Like, he loves it. <laughs> so, but like here, yeah, like I don't know. There's something to this, and again, it's probably just bad writing because it just comes up with like here's a setup that would be cheap and you know take up 10 minutes uh, of screen time but like it also doesn't really deliver because like in, in a way there's a version of this where like it's just like a mass killing and they're all like just shoot each other to death and it's really cool yeah. it doesn't even do that so it's sort of just like yes a bit of a damp squib <laughs> it's just Shelton isn't it Shelton's the only one who dies that way yeah yeah and- and you're like, I don't mind seeing Shelton die because he's a monster. Exactly. Yeah. I want like, to see. I want to see everyone. Everyone. I want to see, <laughs> see Andy run up and hold Shelton as he dies, and there to be a kind of like a tender a coded gay moment. Okay. Yeah. Just lay one on him. I was worried you want to see Shelton run out of the forest towards the carnival with his arms open wide as Andy's like riding the carousel <laughs> as like uh, was it. Uh, Adagio for strings plays <laughs> on the soundtrack. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like that that is the thing. Like it feels like it's a real line the franchise is gonna cross, because I think Charlene's right. It's like if you do that, you kind of have to kill all the kids. And if you kill all the kids, it ceases to be a fun movie. Yeah. But like I feel like in later Chuckies, when they're a little bit more like heightened silly I mean Jesus they're all quite yeah. heightened but like when they get even more f- like comedic in tone you could probably kill a bunch yeah. of kids and it would just come across as like kind of gas but like the, the tone of this <laughs> film is not very fun at all yeah. <laughs> so you kind of yeah I, I agree with you I think it is just it just feels like a nasty thing but then they don't actually kill all the kids so then it's just like well what's the point anyway sorry I hate to sound bloodthirsty <laughs> <laughs> but, but come on <laughs> the Charlene's audience score feedback test card feedback from the test screening is <laughs> kill more kids not enough dead kids <laughs> <laughs> alright let's try a, a larger sample size yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> see if this is representative sorry. <laughs> I, sorry I just it's, was it was it um oh no it, it's it's the dark night where you have the guy who randomly shouts no more dead cops i just like to imagine charlene being in like the meeting room more dead kids more dead kids don't pussy out of this one lads <laughs> i i did we 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 do establish early on that De Silva is a good shot and then yes. she's just not <laughs> Like, I guess when she's required to. Yes, well, she's required to teach Andy and then Andy gets the big heroic moment exactly. at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, like... And, and I, I, he has a shot that doesn't hit Chucky <laughs> and then he shoots Chucky and then he shoots him again and then he runs up to find that Tyler hasn't been shot. <laughs> so I was like, I was certain that the first shot <laughs> just like capped Tyler. That's a very different movie. Though. <laughs> it's a... It's, what we and, really wanted and, was Child's Play 3 to be a searing commentary on gun culture in the He puts his soul into Tyler just as Tyler's getting <laughs> shot in the head. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, 
Yeah, and again, like, it, it does feel like it's a moment, and again, it's not intentional, it, it it's a result of just bad writing rather than any intentionality, but it is that thing where you have an intensely, like, competent female character who is, like, better than the hero at all the stuff that the hero needs to do. And, like, again, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania came out a couple of weeks ago, so I rewatched Ant-Man. Ant-Man is a really great example of this, where Michael Douglas is like, hey, you're my daughter. You know how to use this technology. You know how to fight. You can do everything I need you to do. I need you to teach this shub how to use the technology and how to fight so he can be the hero of this movie. <laughs> or like uh, the Lego yeah. movie is a great example of that, where you have like Wild Styles, like, look at how competent I am. And it's also, yeah, but Chris Pratt's in the movie. So I guess he's got to be the hero. <laughs> I think like The Matrix is like a benign, a relatively benign example of that, where you have Trinity, who's like, look at how competent and skilled I am. <laughs> <laughs> and Lawrence Fisher's like, yeah, but I'm sorry, it's it's Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Um, there You're is, not the chosen one, sorry. <laughs> you are not the chosen one, unfortunately. This is not your story. And there is a bit of that with like where Kristen is established as like hyper competent, where she's the one she does one arm push-ups. She does 25 push-ups and like two one arm push-ups at the end. She can like hit all her targets and hit all her marks. She can stand up to Shelton. Um, she sneaks into uh, Colonel Cochrane's office. She can do all this stuff that is really cool and interesting. And her primary function at the end of the movie is to like have taught Andy how to shoot Chucky so he can shoot Chucky and to kiss him. Yes. That that's it. Well, you know, that's that's female characters for you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very fair point. Um, <laughs> it's weird to look back at like Jenny Gutter's role in Child Play too. I think that was a fully formed three dimensional character by comparison. <laughs> the the carnival. Do we have any thoughts on the carnival aside from the fact that that's another case of Mancini being uh, thirty pages to go? Uh, they they yeah. find a carnival. I'm like, it is shooting in a carnival cheaper than you think it's it is? Because I, I'm just like, why, why carnival? Um, obviously, it was meant to be like a Disneyland. It was originally meant to be like oh. a Disneyland, and the final fight was supposed to take place on like the haunted mansion ride at Disney World. Right. Okay. So it's a ghost train um, now, which obviously is not. Yeah. 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 Which, like, <laughs> I mean, there is something really cool about like Chucky kind of falling down from that big mountain of skulls or whatever the feck it was and then into the fan. Like, that's a cool shot. It kind of, it kind of looks like hell and it reminds me of the end of, uh, oh fuck, what's it called? Um, the Lars von Trier film. Oh, okay. Um, Jesus, what's it called? The House That Jack Built. <laughs> Have you seen that movie? And the end, it just like literally ends in like some sort of hell and it reminded me of that. Sure, I'm sure Child's Play 3 was a huge inspiration to Lars von Trier. Well, you know who's in the house that Jack built as Father Joe? Justin Whalen. What? Wow. Yeah, the 2009 version. I don't think it's Lars von Trier's version oh. that Jack built, but yes. <laughs> that would be so weird. <laughs> like, that would be really weird if Justin Whalen showed up in that movie. <laughs> but I mean, like Lars von Trier is like, yeah, it was Child's Play 3 was a huge inspiration for me. It's like, because he's such a fan of Child's Play 3, I needed to cast Justin Whalen because it inspired the ending. <laughs> anyway, it is a kind of a cool shot. So I'll give it that. But apart from that, it's a bit shit. <laughs> I think the shots of him falling towards the turbine are actually far better than what you get when he hits the turbine. Mm. Yeah, because that's just like, it's a just like a splatter of... I think they... they. they I, I feel like that was probably... The one where he hits the turbine and just kind of goes off to the side and kind of um, where where wears around a bit... I think they were probably looking at that and thinking, oh, that's disappointing. Kind of, let's try 
that again and let's do it again and how many more of these chucky dolls do we have that was the one but <laughs> the shot of him falling down that 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 shot where you're kind of looking up and it's yeah. in his eyes and the, yeah. the that's pretty terror. epic I'll give it and that. half of his face is being cut <gasps> yeah. off. Oh, that's also that, cool. Like the side coming and cutting effect. off his face. I'm into that. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. And again, like there is maybe something interesting in the idea, like the idea of the military academy being this kind of place of conformity. The idea of having Chucky in a world of animatronics is kind of cool conceptually. Like, yeah. Imagine Chucky doing It's a Small World. Like imagine Chucky murdering somebody on It's a Small World after all and how fun that would that be. That would be so good. <laughs> but it's like yeah as andrew said it's like we reached the limits of the budget here yeah like again we should note that like ed gale did not come back for child's play 3 hmm. so a lot of this this was all pretty much model work uh this is all pretty much puppetry um and it it does feel a little bit like the puppet maybe isn't as good as the puppet from child's play it's weird yeah. to rank like the andy barkley actors and it's weird to rank the chucky puppets <laughs> but it does feel like the puppet here maybe isn't as good i think kevin yeager was not on set for this. Kevin right. Yeager kind of like outsourced this to, to yeah. like junior junior staffers. Yeah, I, I notice a difference, and I'm not I'm not in in any way um, a puppet expert, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely think Child's Play one and two Chucky's are better than this one. Can I can I say there there is a um, a version of um, it's a small world after all. Which is uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride? It's a ride at Disneyland. It's in the dark, so like it's it, it's it, it's covered, but he goes to hell. <laughs> oh, wow! Yeah. So what you're saying is you want Chucky's Wild Ride? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, Mr. Mr. Chucky's Wild <laughs> Mr. Ride. Chucky's. Yeah, but uh, the uh, I I I it is it is an impossibly large haunted mansion as well for a traveling carnival from those yeah. things like from a, yeah yeah it's yeah. much larger on the inside than it is on it's the a outside it's yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> alright is there anything else we would talk about with the movie anything we haven't discussed or anything jumping out at people uh, there's quite a bit of use of slow motion in this film which <laughs> you gotta reach 90 minutes you gotta reach 90 minutes somehow yeah it's it's <laughs> I was like, why with the slow motion? It's so ugly. <laughs> uh, so that was just something I thought I should mention because it's shit. <laughs> I, I do also think this is a much uglier movie with, with due respect to like John Orleanetti, who is the cinematographer on this. And we should note John Orleanetti is a bottom 100 stalwart. He did direct uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation after oh. doing the cinematography on the first Mortal Kombat. And he has like a track record with killer doll movies because he did direct the original Annabelle. Uh, oh. as well, having done the cinematography on The Conjuring. Um, but yeah, Leonetti, I think I mentioned it on Mortal Kombat Annihilation, not not somebody whose visual style I think of as being particularly distinctive. Yeah. Uh, like, I think Child's Play 2 looks distinctive with, like, it's Dutch angles yeah. and it's, like, low angles and it's use of lighting and shadow and colour and contrast. This looks like any other slasher movie. Is yeah. It? And I think that's a problem. I don't think it feels like cinema in the way that the first two feel like cinema. Not to, mi- <laughs> not to make it sound too uh, <laughs> Easy, Mr. grandiose, but like I think the first two more, feel like good cinema movies and they look kind of beautiful. More like a roller coaster. A exactly. theme park ride, isn't it? theme park, park, ride. park, park ride. ride. That was deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Whalen um, is another bottom 100. He's, he, he's in uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Ah, fantastic. Oh. So we've got that to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Who who would have thought that Justin that Justin Whalen didn't go on to greater things after this? All right, before we wrap up, then, so Andrew, we've wrapped up the the Child's Play trilogy. We've wrapped up the stage in the late eighties, early nineties, where Chucky was churning out one movie after another. By the way, you can tell that Universal had kind of given up on the franchise by this point because not only did they release it in August, which is a dump month, but they also like didn't roll out the same level of publicity. Like, for example, uh, when they when they did, like, the Horror Hall of Fame the previous year, they did a whole thing with Chucky the Puppet and Bad Dwarf voicing him. Buy American. <laughs> Buy American. Um, this year, the, the, the only effort that they bothered to make was to send Chucky Brad Dorf too. himself to the, to the Horror Hall of Fame awards, right. unfortunately. Um, so you can tell that there was a real scaling back. Got booed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am Chucky. <laughs> No, but uh, yeah, so how are how are you feeling after having watched the the three child's play movies? I think I think like Chucky makes a kind of a mediocre film better. True is the thing. Yeah. So you think like if you added Chucky to like any movie, it's like bacon. He's like movie bacon. If you add him <laughs> to any movie, the movie gets better. So like Green Book with Chucky. Yeah, like the what can you add? I feel like Shawshank Redemption with Chucky. There's a danger of like kind of seafood and good bacon, I think. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, maybe not Schindler's List and Chucky. Like okay, the, so like but, but. Evil, I don't want him um underwater. <laughs> like, Are you sure a, about in, that? In in a water world sort of a or like Avatar the shape of water. What about if he or, was in or, space? Are are in a um, oh. yeah. What if he was in space? But definitely in space. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Can, but can, not not like in a um a black uh, panther Wakanda forever. Can I? <laughs> can I? Can I counter your you don't want Chucky on water bit? Right. Think about it. At the end of Child's Play two, he has like a spike for a hand. At the end of Child's Play 3, half his face is Oh, missing. yes. Tell me that you wouldn't, like, wrap him in rags and put him on a jet ski and have him, like, be, like, Dennis Hopper in Waterworld. Would he have a parrot? There we Who's go. also, like, a swears. Yes. Yes. The movie uh, writes itself. Yeah. I think so. Um, it's, um, uh, Gilbert Godfrey. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. All right, and Charlene, having wrapped up the Child's Play trilogy, you know, this is these are the movies that introduced Chucky to America. These are kind of the core texts. Like, what any big takeaway on these three films? I think the takeaway for me is, like, the first two are, like, actually do really hold up. And they're very strong films that it makes me think, like, you know, I'd like to see more stuff like that even now with proper big budgets. Um, and that the third one is really shit and shouldn't have existed. That's what I think. More horror movies need, like, car chases and exploding houses. Yeah, I like that. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, then. So I think that then wraps it up. So, yeah, um, what we normally do at the end of the podcast is we ask our guests to recommend something. It could be something related to the movie, something unrelated to the movie, just something that brings you joy in these uncertain times. So to give Charlene a chance to think about it, I'm going to ask Andrew to go first. Uh, uh, oh, by the way, sorry, sorry. Before we jump in, I forgot the uh, complimentary Robocop reference or the uh, what yes. we call the, 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 the I killed you! I killed you! <laughs> no, you're dead. We killed you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah sorry. 
<laughs> you, I had one of those moments where I'm like, we're wrapping up the podcast, but yes, I, I needed to say that. Um, There's that also is... food waste when I'm knocking over um, his, his tray at the canteen. Yes. Yeah. Oh, when he gets tripped up, yes. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. Is there and any appropriate smoking? I guess there's there's the CEO, he's he's smoking in the workplace. Good, good point. Kind of his, yeah. his gaff as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like we're not going to please smoking at home. No, you know? no. Um, but okay, so then... As I said there at the end of the podcast, recommendations. Andrew, what would you recommend? A um, few months ago for Valentine's Day, kind of, uh, self and Petrina watched uh, Flux Gourmet. And it kind of, it, we, we, we enjoyed it. It's not quite as good maybe as In Fabric, but I, 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 I liked it a lot for people who liked um in fabric and also i think people who like the duke of burgundy it's another kind of peter strickland movie that you deals seen, you, i got you barbarian sound studio you've seen barbarian sound yes studio. yeah 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 um so barbarian sound studio we watched last year for valentine's day and then uh the duke of burgundy the year before then, so what you're saying is strickland needs to like up his pace <laughs> i yeah. think so yeah yeah the the um so no, we enjoyed it. It 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 was very kind of atmospheric, um, and it kind of dealt with um, I guess people's relationship to food and to art, and to their bodies, and it's very kind of um, uh, funny. It kind of harkens back like a lot of Strickland's movies to like um, uh, Giallo, um, stuff. And yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. You kind of get you know what you're getting, I suppose. Which, it's a very uh, weird with, thing to with say Strickland about, to like... to to in 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 a sense, even yeah. though like it's never boring. Yeah. You know, yeah. No, I I know, I know, but I just I like the idea that Strickland is a brand onto himself. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you're getting with a Peter Strickland. It's, it's movie. gonna be <laughs> weird, but yeah. Whereas if you were to put a Peter Strickland movie in front of somebody who had never seen a Peter Strickland movie, they'd be like, "What the hell was that?" It's like <laughs> yeah. it's just a Peter Strickland movie, really. <laughs> um, all right, but yeah, it 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 is it is definitely a little something different, unless you're very familiar with like, <laughs> Peter Strickland movies, yeah. Um, all right, and Charlene, what would you recommend? What are you enjoying at the moment? Um, I'm in the middle of Brett Easton Ellis' new novel, The Shards, which um, he had, if anybody subscribes to his podcast, had been reading chapter by chapter as he was writing it all the way through lockdown or like a big bunch of lockdown. And now the book itself that is a fully formed novel uh, is, has been released. And it's it's really, really, really good. If you're into Brett Easton Ellis at all, um, I think it's great. And I... Like I'm not finished the book, but I did listen to all of the episodes of the podcast, so I know where it's going. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's sort of a a memoir that uh, I don't necessarily think is all true, uh, but it's presented as all true about him in like 1981 in his senior year in high school um, and just him and all his friends and a serial killer who is targeting them or Brett Easton Ellis certainly believes is targeting them. And it's it's cool. Like it's a it's a really it's a really good book. I really I'm really enjoying it, and I think it's very good um, entry level. Freddie Snellis. Like it's not like oh, if you're a huge fan, read this like Lunar Park or something. But like this, I think is a really good read. So that's my recommendation. More celebrity memoirs should involve serial killers. Like, there should be more like serial killer subplots. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. And Kelsey Grammer is like so far needs a serial killer subplot in there. Uh, <laughs> I like that kind of confessions of a dangerous mind kind of thing. It's <laughs> a like, really good example. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great example. Um, all right. In terms of, of recommendations uh, for myself, I guess, like, because this is the mid-90s um, and because, like, there's going to be, you know, we're not going to talk about uh, Bride of Chucky, but if we were, there would be a big gap between the two. And obviously there's a big gap between the kind of Chucky films. I think that, like, Brad Dorif's 90s are kind of fascinating. And, like, I think there's a period in the 90s where Dorif is, like, a go-to guest star on television shows, on science fiction television shows. Voyager. As- Yes, that was exactly what I was going to recommend. I was going to recommend he pops up in Beyond the Sea, which is a first season episode of The X-Files. I think it's the first five-star episode of The X-Files. So good. Where he gets to do his full Silence of the Lambs routine uh, with Gillian Anderson as Scully. It's kind of incredible. It's so good. Uh, It is a masterpiece. It's really great. Uh, He does a first season episode of Millennium called Force Majeure, which is one of those points where I think it's... I think it's directly following Thin White Line, so it's the second five-star episode of Millennium, but it's also hugely important in defining like what this show is going to be going forward, and it's phenomenal. I would recommend that as well. And then, obviously, Andrew mentioned Voyager, where he again plays a Hannibal Lecter analogue um, in the <laughs> second season of Star Trek Voyager. Um, has, has a great arc, though. Yes, he does. Um, and like he's killed for spite. Like that's that when you read behind the scenes on Voyager, it is seems like such a horrible work environment where like the character that Dorif played was the pet of one of the showrunners. He was like a character that one of the showrunners was like, this character is really interesting. I want to develop him. I want to explore what it's like if you are stranded in the middle of nowhere and one of your crew is like a psychotic. How do you deal with that problem? Yes. And as like he, there's a really good episode um, and there's a really good follow up to it. But there's also one of the other writers is like, yeah, but I don't really like that. So we're going to kill him off. Like there's a like a, well, spike he has a heroic ki- ending. Oh. He does he? get a heroic ending and then is never mentioned ever again. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, I, I would recommend. So that is meld in the second season of Voyager. It's one of my favorite episodes of Voyager. It's one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek. Um, it's just such a fascinating piece of television because it's one of the rare episodes of Star Trek Voyager where the show actually tries to do something that the franchise hasn't done before. So I would wholeheartedly recommend just those three then. So three Brad Dorif television appearances in the space between Child's Play 3 and a movie that we're not going to cover <laughs> on this podcast. All right then. So Charlene, where can we find you? Watch at, watch up to. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, on at Charlene Lydon. Doing very little. <laughs> Um, perfect. And thank you for doing the Child's Play trilogy with us. Um, it, it's been an absolute pleasure. It'll probably be a little while before we talk to you again. So it has been an absolute, absolute delight. Thank you for taking it's the time. It's been lovely. Thank you. It, yeah. It really thanks has. for asking and me to come back. <laughs> I, well, I mean, look, it was a lot and we really appreciate it. And, you, you know, you've gone above and beyond. Um, but yes, so Andrew and well, I... I certainly would, won't go any further. No, no, no <laughs> we, we set a ceiling on that. Um, I mean, look, there would have to be some sort of insane response that would drive us to do it. That'll never happen. <laughs> never. But never. Um, so yes, Andrew and I will be back next week when we will finally, finally be talking about Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. All right. Take care. See you. So, sorry, two weeks. We'll be talking two weeks. Very important. That bit is it's not a fortnight. joke. Fortnight. Fortnight. We are fortnightly. We're talking about Star Trek 4 in a fortnight. Star Trek Fortnite, if you will. Star Trek Fortnite. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. I don't think we're going to top that. Take care. Bye. Bye. Guys. Definitely Bye. a high point. <laughs>